Well, it is my joy to not take the rest of the hour, which I would like to do, to um, give a reintroduction or an introduction to Rod Gertson, who's preaching for us today. Rod has been faithfully serving Christ in pastoral ministry for over a half century. He began his pastoral ministry in seminary in Indiana. Uh, then, as you know, pastored in Hutchinson uh, in 2011 and became the pastor here at, excuse me, not in 2011, that's when I became the pastor here. <laughs> In 1991, became the pastor here at Mission Road, which was Southwest Bible Church at the time, and um, faithfully served for almost 20 years here. Rod and Faith have five children. Make sure I get these stats right. Where's Faith? Five children, 13 grandchildren, seven great-grandchildren. Did I get it right? All the family's huddling up right now. I think that's correct. Um, and I just want to say personally, no one in my life and no one in my ministry has been more personally encouraging to me about being here at this place and doing what I'm doing than the former pastor and my friend, Rod Gertson. To share a relationship with the man who's, who uh, uh, you, in a sense, I didn't replace him. I stand in the same place he did. I never replaced Rod. But to have that kind of relationship is, is precious and very, very important to me. He is, as you know, a selfless and humble man who is a pit bull of a theologian. And this is important to know on this day. No one has pastored this church longer in the history of its 60 years than has Rod. 27 years ago, we found out this morning, 27 years ago this week, Rod candidated to be the pastor here. And I just want to tell you, it is a pure joy to uh, invite a man who's had more pastoral influence and ministry of the word influence on this church than anyone who's ever walked in this building back to serve us today, would you please, please give a hearty re-welcome home to Rod Gertson. Thank you. I really don't deserve that. I just did what God told me to do. Thank you, uh, church, for inviting me back, your elders, and, and I share my feeling with, about Rick. I've known him long before I came here. And uh, he came and had a weekend of meetings with us before he ever even thought about coming here. And I'm sure after he was here, he's sure he wasn't coming back. <clears throat> But I've known Rick from our own son, Rick, and they were friends in seminary and continued to be such. And it's been my privilege to uh, watch over the past eight years what God has done here and how full this is. Uh, it just blesses my own heart. And I pray that God will continue to use you and bless you as you continue to minister here in the Kansas City area. The Lord knows how desperate we need Bible teaching churches. They're few and far 
between. And I'm in an area where basically the population is flat. That is, it isn't moving one way or another. It's just they're trying to maintain their own because when I grew up there, my dad had a farm of 200 acres. And now if you're going to make a living, you, the minimum you probably can have is 1,200. So you see farms are disappearing like crazy. The businesses are coming in trying to hold their own. But we have far more people in Walmart and York than we have in our church on Sunday morning. So there's a lot of work to do there. And there's a lot of people that still need uh, the word of God. So there's plenty of room for more work to be done. Well, good to be here. Rick asked me, he said, does it feel like home? I said, no, my home's in Nebraska, but you know what it feels like? It feels like uh, I come back to the, a member of the family. Like I've come back home to uh, a brother and sister that we haven't seen for a year or so, and you get home right away, and immediately you jump into conversations with others, and it's like you never left. You, you kind of take off where you started. You know, you have friends like that, you go in and, and you, it's just like you pick up the conversation like you never left it. And sometimes uh, that's the way I feel here. And it's just a joy to see. This morning I want to share a few thoughts on you. The, I, I called this, I'm not good at titles. I'm not even preached from an iPad. I still do notes. I did once and I got so mixed up in doing this and that that I shut the thing up and said, I'll never do that again. And it happened to be at a wedding. Why I tried it at a wedding. And they're here this morning. They're even had a, they had enough guts to show. I, that's amazing to me. But I want to talk about the enjoyment of God's plan. When I look back over uh, the time we were here and the history of this church, I, learned to know and uh, have watched since. Uh, we went through up times and down times and everything else, but you know, it was a joy. I look at this place uh, as a period of joy in my life. Good, the good even was great and the bad was even good. You know, I've learned to love God's plan. He takes us through the deep water and he takes us through the mountain, but he's always the same God. And he always has the same purpose, and we don't have to sweat it. Uh, God is faithful, and he will see us through. And when he's done with us, guess what? He takes us to heaven where it's even better. So you really can't lose. And so with your church and our church here, we, we are serving God, and uh, he may take us through deep waters, and he may take us to greater heights, and he may take us through some dry times. But they're all good. Because God is good. And there is a, uh, in a verse in one, or a line in the creed that says we are to glorify God. And the next line is we are to enjoy him forever. We're to enjoy him. So this morning at your 60th anniversary, the 60th anniversary of this body of believers, we want to enjoy him. And in the, originally, a body of believers established this church which was on the southwestern edge of the metropolitan area. Now, when I came here, it wasn't even on the southwestern edge of the metro, 
metropolitan area, but I heard stories from some of the old timers that they would go out here a little ways to where Oak Park is on the way, and they'd fish in ponds. So that's how this place has grown, and I cannot believe in eight years how far south this town has grown and how large it is becoming, and it really makes me interested in Hampton where we have 400 people, and we know them all. <laughs> By the way, Abe is uh, doing quite well. Abe Freeman, he's preaching now, I hope. <laughs> he, uh, they've had a snowstorm up there, so they're only having a worship service, and we have a program tonight, and we're supposed to be back in it. We have a part in it. If they're having it, we don't even know that they're having it. Okay, so we, we will be going back and uh, pray for us on the roads as we do go back. But anyway, Abe's doing great, and one of the leaders of the church told me uh, Friday or Thursday, I guess it was, he said, you know what, Abe's doing far better than we expected. So he's doing great. His wife is uh, expecting a child, and she's had a rough time with those pregnancies, and uh, Abe, uh, being a young buck, went out and played basketball, tore his ankle up. He's going to have surgery uh, Friday, so he's going to be in a cast with no uh, weight on it for six weeks. He's uh, bought a house in Hampton. He's on, we moved our office to downtown Hampton. We are on Main Street, downtown Hampton. We have an office, Countryside Bible Church. Uh, Abe mans, mans that. So he's going to be hobbling back and forth uh, to that office one block. I told him he's got to get good at hobbling. I'm not picking him up. <laughs> but someone said church history is his story. It is his story. All of history is his story. And the Lord Christ said, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. And this morning in this local assembly is here because Christ is building his church. He built it when we thought he wasn't building it. He builds it when it's dry. He builds it in the good times. He's always building it. He adds, he subtracts. And what a joy it is to watch him do this work, especially in hindsight. The true church, and this is encouragement to me, the true church will be here when he comes. I'm waiting for the rapture of the church. I'm waiting for Christ to meet us in the air. I hope that's the way, but if not, I'll meet him either way. And it may not be that far away for me. But the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 4.16, it says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. This morning's my heart's desire to show you that God has a perfect plan, that he has perfect providence, and that he has perfect perseverance. God has all of that. When we look at the plan of God, we see that his plan is incomprehensible. It is incomprehensive in its existence. 
As I look out of my office windows or my study windows, I now have it in our house, and I look out in the morning and I see the trees and see the seasons which uh, we enjoy in Nebraska, and in Nebraska we can have any season at any time. We enjoy the seasons, and I, I look at that tree and several trees around us. They're not very big because the wind blows so hard that they can't get too tall. But when we see the trees and see the leaves coming out, that tree has not one ounce of brain. Who tells it to shoot its trees out, the branches out, to balance it out and everything else? And then I look at that tree closer and it's made up of molecules and made up of atoms and made up of all things that are moving, even though they appear dead. I just am blown away with a comprehensive extension of God's glory and mercy, aren't you? When the living God of the Bible is incomprehensible and one looks at the complete composite revelation of God as recorded in the scriptures, we see an overwhelming glory. We get a real picture of him. We can see him in nature. And Bible, it is so clear in nature that God says that if a person denies he exists, if he says there is no God, he's a fool. If he can't see it, he's a fool. But we can see it, and then God has taken the time to record this in his scriptures. In Exodus 5, 15, verse 11, it is said, Who is like you among the gods, O Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in praises, working wonders? In Samuel 2, 2, 1 Samuel, we read, There is no one like the Lord indeed, there is no one besides you, nor is there any rock like our God. All the things that have happened to make a Mission Road Bible Church what it is today is strictly of God. We're nothing more than his servants having the privilege to serve him. He's the one who does the work. He's the one who sees the glory. He's the one who sees the praise, not us. He has an incomprehensive existence. Furthermore, he is all wise. His wisdom is incomprehensible. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 40, if you will, please. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 13. And an interesting, I love God's questions. They get to the heart of the matter. It's, it's, it's questions that stab you in the heart. And when he talks about his wisdom, he says this, who has directed the spirit of the Lord? Or who has, is his counselor informed him? With whom did he counsel? And who gave him understanding? And who taught him the path of justice and taught him knowledge and informed him of the way of understanding? Who, pray tell, told the Lord? I get, I get so peeved at when I listen to the news or something and they talk about how pompous they are and if we had our God, you know, we'd tell him this, that, and the other thing. You aren't telling him anything. As God said to Job, where were you when I planned the world? Tell me if you know. I love it, don't you? I love that kind of God. Isaiah 41, take a look at that one. Isaiah 41. And verse 28 and 29, but when I look, there's no one. And there is no counselor among them. 
Who, if I ask, can give an answer? Behold, all of them are false. Their works are worthless. Their molten images are wind and emptiness. There is no other God but the God, the living God of the Bible. He's the only God and he is responsible for the, all that's going on in our lives or all that ever will. He owns it all. In fact, he has an incomprehensible plan. We read, God's plan was not made out of necessity. He didn't have to do this. He didn't have to make a world. He didn't have to make me. He didn't have to make you. He didn't have to have any of this. He was perfectly happy without all this. He made this to show his glory. He made this to demonstrate his love. He made this to demonstrate his wisdom. He made this to demonstrate to himself his great, great love for each other and the members of the Trinity. All of God's purposes and all of God's decrees for the world are parts of one single solitary plan. Guess what? We're all in it. If we'd go down aisle by aisle and talk about what's going on in your life, they'd all be different. But somehow God has taken all of these things of all of you believers and all of us together and he works it all out in one harmonious plan all together. That's unbelievable that he can do that. In Isaiah 46 we read, declaring the end from the beginning. And from the ancient times, things which have not been done, saying, my purpose and my will, my purpose will be established, and I will accomplish all my good pleasure, calling a bird of prey from the east, the man of my purpose far from a far country. Truly I have spoken, truly I will bring it to pass. I have planned it, surely I will do it. You think God has a plan for your life? This means yes where I come from and this means no where I come from. Yes, God has a plan for our lives. Do you think he knows what's going to go on tomorrow? Yes. A week from tomorrow? Yes. hundred years from tomorrow? Yes. He knows it all. And he's given us his plan to enjoy. Not fret under it or stew under it but to enjoy his plan. You're here this morning because God brought you here. You may have accidentally driven in here thought this was Walmart. It's not. You may have thought this, it tells you where I'm from, Walmart's everything for us. We don't even know how to behave in any kind of store if it has a ceiling in it. That's kind of the way it is. I love it though. There's no e event that can be isolated from the stream of history, not in your life or my life. It's all important. Makes us all important as believers. All of you are important to each other. You're all in the plan of God and God brought us all together at various times, brought us all together here at Mission Road Bible Church. I had no clue the day we walked in here what would happen. I just knew that this is where God wanted us to be. And come what may, we had to st stick with the stuff and keep preaching his word 
And some of you came in and we got together and we became brothers and sisters in Christ and friends. And now we're parted again, but we're still friends and we're looking forward to the day when we'll all be together and there'll be no parting whatsoever. In Ephesians 1.11, we looked at the New Testament. It says, also we have established or we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will. All things mean all things. Everything works together. Everything that goes on in your life, everything that goes on in your neighbor's life, everything that goes on in your family's life, it all works together. Romans chapter 8, verse 28, that famous verse says, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, and there are no mistakes. It all works. And what you and I may seem as a downtime, a dry time, a troublesome time, a trial, it is all for the benefit of us and the glory of God. Many years ago, over 40-some years ago, I stood on a road. My wife was in a car, and she was in heaven. And I looked at that whole scene, and I was standing on the interstate, and I looked at the whole scene, crawled out of the top of my car, and I said to myself, I don't know how, God, but you said you would work this out, and I'm holding you to it. And he did. Friday night, we had our family uh, got together. We have family in Birmingham, Alabama, Oklahoma City, Hutchinson, Kansas, Kansas City, Hampton, Nebraska. All 37 of us. All of the adults know Christ and they're in godly churches. Did God work this out or not? He did. And he does. And I don't know what straight you're in or how bad it is. God will work it out. Sit back and let him do it. Trust him. Continue to do the things you do and trust God and put that load on his shoulders. He's got it. Plan is beautiful. Enjoy it. Used to be an old saying, an advertisement, take the bus and leave the driving up to us. You know, that's, I've been on a bus trip, it isn't bad. You go to the place, you get off, you, get, you don't have to stand in line, it's great. You don't worry about whether you're on the right road or not. You just know that the, at least you hope so, in, in a bus. <laughs> you hope the guy knows where he's going. But it's better yet with the Lord, he does knows where he's going. His plan is perfectly working out. You can sit back and relax and enjoy the plan. You know, there are certain terms that God has used in his word to tell us about this plan. Purpose, counsel, will, foreknown, elect, chosen, determined, ordained, called, predestined, decrees. That's his plan. Over and over again, God has told us this. He has this great plan. Now, he works this out with, through what we call providence. And Strong says, as he gives us a definition, that providence is the continuous agency of God 
by events which he makes all of the physical and moral universe fulfill the original design for which he created it. He always works behind the scene. There are times when God intervened directly through miracles and signs in various times of church history. The flood, for example. The time of the exodus, the conquest. The time of Elijah and Elisha and scattered throughout the various prophetic ministries. And then nothing for 400 years until suddenly the Lord Jesus Christ comes on the scene and there's miracles like we've never, ever seen. And the apostles pick it up and before it's, they're done, it's primarily providence again. That's how he works today. And the Bible has given us various examples of how God works. I know you all go to Sunday school and you're all familiar with this story, but let me repeat it. How about the story of Joseph? You like that story? I love that story. Here's a guy that was born, the 11th son, from the favorite wife. And Jacob let it known, be known that he's my favorite son. In fact, he made him a coat of various colors. He's the coat. He's the one he may get, in fact, He's got special things coming to him. To top it all off, God gives him a dream. And God didn't give a dream for him just to keep it to himself. He tell this dream. A dream is, guys, you're all, all your brothers, you're all going to bow down to me someday. Oh, that was good news. <laughs> his dad and mom didn't mind it, or his dad and his wife didn't mind it. And then he said, got another dream. You too, Dad. You're going to bow down to me. Oh, that can't be. You know the story is he went to Dothan to find his brothers. And he finds them and they say, oh, here comes that dreamer. And so these ten boys decide, let's get rid of him. We don't want some holy Joe in our midst. So they decide to kill him. They changed their mind when they found out they might be able to make some money. So they sold him to the Ishmaelites at the age of 17. Imagine that. A 17-year-old boy. Now, I know that growing up like Joseph did, they were much more men than boys at 17. 17-year-olds. He interprets the doctrine or the dreams of the cupbearer from jail because he was in a frame-up rape case. And at the end, he, and he does the dreams of the baker and the butler at the age of 27. Now he's 10 years in Egypt. They forget about him. Three years later, he finally stands before Pharaoh to interpret the dream because the butler said, hey, I know a Jew in jail that can interpret dreams. And finally, he meets his brothers when he's 39 years old. This guy, Joseph, never gave up in trusting God. 
And whether he was aware of it or not, God was working behind the scenes. And what's interesting to me that when he finally gets the brothers and he puts them all in a room by themselves and accuses them that they're here to spy on the land, they all sit in this room and they say, this is because of what we did to Joseph for the last 20-some years. It was on their conscience. But here God is working behind the scenes and he became the prime minister and the salvation of his own brothers. And you know that famous Romans 8, 28 verse almost appears again in Genesis 50, 20. You thought it for evil, but God worked it out for good. Even the evil that is done towards you, the bad language that is used towards you, even though the times you got gypped out of something or you got the shaft or whatever, even those things God works out for good. Believers, enjoy his plan. I even think about another person in history in the Old Testament, in Esther. During the night, the king could not sleep, so he gave orders to bring the book of the records and the chronicles, and they were read before the king. You know, this was before we had a pill for it. And he couldn't sleep. So the best pill they had in those days, read the minutes of the meetings. <laughs> That's a highlight of every elder meeting that I've ever been in. I'll tell you, it, there were times it was a highlight. <laughs> they're, only, they're only good when you're really in trouble. <laughs> read the minutes. And he reads about Mordecai. Remember Mordecai? The Mordecai had told him about a couple people that wanted to take his life. And he, and the whole story is, is one of the most unbelievable stories. Even though God is not mentioned in the book, the whole thing talks about God's providence. That he's working behind the scenes. God worked behind Mission Road Bible Church for years to bring us to this point. Some were not even aware of it. Some were left in anger. Some came back and said, what am I doing here? I don't agree with the theology of the church. Leave. Others came in and here we are. And every, all of it is of God. We don't have to be bitter. We don't have to be cranky about it. We don't have to be anything. We're just enjoying God's plan. He'll take care of all that stuff. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I don't worry about it. I'm just glad to be a part of his plan. And that is actually what God is telling us. He says, uh, there is a wonderful preservation and perseverance. Take a look at the first thing I think we get. And I'll, I'll use a VCR. Now, VCRs are old. I got to... Even in Hampton, we now can tape a show on our TV. <laughs> we were able to take the 8-track and put it away. The Beta Max and all that now, it's really, we're really up to snuff. But in the old days, uh, it's, it's even true now that a Sunday night church always started at 6 o'clock. And I loved in those days 
the Dallas Cowboys. And the reason I love a football team in those days before I moved to Kansas City was I followed the Christians on the teams. And they had Tom Landry and they had uh, Bob Bruning, a couple guys that were outstanding believers. And that was my team. I read a story by Bill Glass, who was a, a defensive end for the Cleveland Browns, and uh, he said one of the outstanding men in the National Football League is Coach Tom Landry, even though he played for Cleveland Browns. So I tuned in to Tom Landry. Got to talk to him even. Was, is, was, was a good deal as well. Told him that I was thankful for the testimony he had for my sons. They could look at him and see a, a man full of integrity and standing for the Lord. So if you're a coach, you're, you're a Sunday school teacher, you're a parent, you're a neighbor, may you uh, always be full of integrity and men and women, may you always treat your neighbors with grace and love. You have a testimony that you don't even, and I don't even realize we have. I got to tell you a story. We're, we live next, these people now attend our church. We live next to uh, a, a couple, young couple, and they have three boys. And they're one, two, three in steps. And they're all boys. And they come running over. I mean, they, uh, they ride bikes like they're Hellcats. They just, they are tears on wheels. So they come over and we visit. And they tell me a lot of stuff. And I tell them a lot of stuff. And one day uh, I uh, came over and they had uh, water guns. And they were all loaded with their water guns. And they were standing around me and with their water guns. And, and uh, I said, you'd like to shoot me, wouldn't you? <laughs> they said, yeah, but you're the preacher. So I said, Faith, when you go to town, go to Grand Island, you buy one of those big pistols <laughs> that shoot 30 feet, just keep pumping the thing. She did. So they were in the yard playing, and I snuck behind the shed and shot them. <laughs> and they took off running. And they came back with three big thing and we stood in the middle of the yard and we were pumping at each other and the youngest one he just we were this far apart I don't know why I even went there oh I know why because be an example I mean they invite me to everything in their school and everything and I, I they don't leave church without a high five but anyway, I'd listen to a ball game, and church always started at, nine or at 6 o'clock, and the game was never over till 6.15 or 6.30. And I, I just didn't, I, I tried to tell all my friends, don't tell me the score. I want to I go back and relive that game like it's, I'm seeing it for the first time. But I'd always have some guy stay in the car during the music program, come running in, we won. What? I had to make a spiritual adjustment before I preached. <laughs> this is, this is I, I, I meant to get a real serious sermon here. Yeah, I'll get to it. 
But when I went home, knowing we won, I could sit down, even though it was fourth and 20 to go, and we're punting from a half-yard line. Guys in the end zone, punting. I sat and relaxed. Why? Because I knew we won. And I've read the end of the Bible. I've read Revelation 22. Guess what? We win. We're victorious. And no matter how bad it may look at the time, we're going to be victorious. And no matter then, when we get to heaven, there are not going to be these kinds of ups and downs. And We'll have to reflect on the grace of God while we lived here, how gracious and good God was to include us in our plan, in his plan. There's peace that comes. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me, Christ said in John 14, 1. The imperative passive present verb says this, stop being troubled. Worried about tomorrow? Worried about your job? Worried about your surgery? Worried about this, that, or other thing, or your children? Stop it and turn it over to the Lord, for heaven's sake. Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing. Same deal. Stop worrying. People say, oh, I'm not worrying, I'm just concerned. Stop being concerned. <laughs> that doesn't mean you don't plan. It doesn't mean you do all the things and make your plans like you should all the time. It doesn't mean all that. It means this. Place it on the Lord's hands. Psalm 55, 22. Casting all your care upon him, for it's a care to care for him. He will not suffer the righteous, however that goes. <laughs> Look it up. Psalm 55, 22. It's there. God's plan is there. I like this too. God's plan shall never be thwarted. God can't take, nobody can take me out of the will of God. Nobody can stop God's plan in our lives. Say what they want. God has a purpose and plan for us. Enjoy. I like this in Philippians 2, 14 to 17. I, I live with a bunch of farmers. However, most of our church people are not farmers, believe it or not. Uh, we have a number of farmers, but most of them are not. Most of the young people can't get into farming unless their dad's in it anyway. So they have to find work somewhere else. But I've been around farmers, you know, it's always too wet, too dry, too hot, too cold. Uh, something always wrong. So I've been on their case quite a bit. It says, do all things in Philippians 2.14 without grumbling or disputing. Why? Well, we got a plan, don't we? Doesn't God have a plan? And isn't God omniscient? Isn't God all-powerful? Isn't God all of these things that we read about in his attributes? He'll work this plan out? Do all things without grumbling or disputing so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless, innocent, children of God, above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as light. Oh, the price is not what it should be today. I have to pay for a $500,000 combine. Well, be glad you got one. 
That's more than I have. But you know, when you say praise God, when you're standing around a water cooler at work or when you're standing in the workroom or when you're standing around with people who start complaining about the company you work for or start complaining about your church or something else, then you might say, isn't God great that we're getting God's word here? Isn't God great that he brought us this plant? Isn't God great that we're in this school and we're learning something? And that'll stop it. That stops it right now. If one criticizes, he discredits God's omniscience, God's omnipotent, God's omnipresence, God's wisdom, God's creation, and he deprives men of assurance and certainty of outcome when you start complaining. Look at it in that sense. The Apostle Paul enjoyed the plan of God. In Philippians 2, 17 to 18, he said, But even if I'm being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice and share my joy with you all. You too, I urge you, rejoice in the same way and share the joy with me. Isn't it great when people can walk into church and sense joy? I, uh, God has been uh, interesting in his plan for me. He seems to give me churches, uh, start churches where there's been, uh, they've been down and out a little bit or they've been discouraged or whatever. Or in one case, they didn't even have the right doctrine. And he, he brings me in these churches. And, and, the, and, uh, one of the things I find that people do not have joy. Enjoy the Lord. Well, uh, well, I know it says that, but. Well, enjoy him. Take care of the sin in your life. Get rid of the bitterness in your life. Get, get yourself to the place where you realize God has a perfect and purposeful plan. Repent of your sin and enjoy the Lord. I loved your songs this morning. I love the way you sang I sense a joy here. That's probably not 100%, but I sense a joy here. And if you don't have it, get on the wagon. Get with it. Why, why go through life, wife, uh, life, sad sacks? I just don't understand. Life's too short. Enjoy what God has given you. And all, with all its limitations. Enjoy it. And then along with that comes contentment. Look at Philippians chapter 4, verse 18, or verse 10 to 13. Philippians chapter 4, 10 to 13. Not that I speak from want, Paul says, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. We have to be back tonight at 6 o'clock for a Christmas program. And I could get really energized up about the supposed snowstorm in Nebraska. I keep telling myself, Lord, it's in your hands. 
if it's, it's going to happen, then it's going to happen. And however I get there or don't get there, it's in your hands. Let's enjoy the trip. But I've been on trips, man, where I got worked up. And I got energized. And we're going to make it. I don't care if they're stand-foot drifts. We're going to make it. And when I get there, I'm so frazzled. I don't enjoy anything. But you have to learn to be content. God has a plan. And it'll work out. And I always appreciate those people in the church body that have that, have got through to that point. They say, relax, Rod, it'll work out. Uh, it may look kind of dark now, and, and we were sharing some experiences in a question and answer period. It looked pretty dark at times. But we always had people that said, you know, it'll work out. You'd go out and the person would say, don't worry about it, Rod. God's in control of this thing. Man, what encouragement that was. And, and that's why we're here, to encourage one another, to know that God has a perfect plan for Mission Road Bible Church, for Countryside Bible Church, for any church that really preaches the Word of God. God wants these churches to go. That's his plan. That's his purpose. He wants to glorify himself through people who have come to know Jesus Christ, who have come to realize that God is not willing that any should perish. That God's plan for you is for you to come to Christ, to repent of your sin, bow your stubborn neck, your stubborn neck, and place your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ. That's his plan. And when you push your, put your faith and trust in Christ's plan and you say, wow, I am forgiven. The battle's over. Your eyes are open. You look, you know what? He chose me before the foundation of the world. I'm in his plan. You walk through the door, whosoever will may come, and you turn around and look, I chose you. I loved you first. Before you ever loved me. That would be enough of a plan for you and I to really enjoy. And once we are in that plan and all things are going to work together for good to them that love God. Whatever happens. You know that God is in it all. Mission Road. He had 60 years. I don't know if there's 60 years left or not, but I know that it probably is very near for me at least. I'm not, I don't have 60 years left. Guy asked me, we, we did a roof. Do you want a 30 or 40 year plan? <laughs> you kidding me? <laughs> you gotta be kidding. I take the cheapest plan. <laughs> This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. The treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. And I, I just want you to know that I love this church and I love every one of you and I really want to encourage you to, wherever you go to church, to buckle down and serve God through that local church with all your heart, with all your soul. And you know, uh, somebody made an announcement, oh, we still need people to clean up and do these kinds of things. God bless the clean upers in our church. 
God bless those people who are willing to serve without recognition. Just do it because they love God and they do his ministry. Thank God for every one of them. And I thank God for all the people that were with us during those days, all of you, how that you worked and you prayed and I prayed for you. And we pray for this church. And I guess my greatest, I'm kind of rambling now, but I got another three minutes. <laughs> Isn't that fun? You can be old, you can do what you want. Uh, really, if you're here and you do not know Jesus is your Lord and Savior, there's no plan to enjoy. He didn't plan anything for you. In fact, he said, you know, when you die, you're going to go to a place prepared for the devil and his angels. Jesus said to the believers, I go to prepare a place for you. What will it be? Father, thank you for the believers. Thank you for the leaders. Thank you for the cleaner uppers. Thank you for the encouragers, Lord, those who exercise wisdom, those who give of their time, their sweat equity, those who give their lives for this body. Bless it and use it. Take this seminary and may it build up men and women like Abe and may they spread throughout the country, spreading the word of God, which is so desperately needed in our day. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.